Mr. Speaker, this morning at ministerial meetings with colleagues, in addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I represent 4-5 Commando, who have just recently returned from a deployment in Afghanistan, where unfortunately they lost nine men. My colleagues and I would like to associate ourselves with the condolences expressed by the Prime Minister for these brave men who have lost their lives in Afghanistan recently, and also the family of Mr. Dwyer. Just now we are seeing the the pathetic sight of the Cabinet attempting to reshuffle itself. When will the Prime Minister accept he's lost all authority and call an election? Mr Mr. Speaker, there is work to be done every day to deal with the recession. If we'd taken taken the advice of the other parties, we wouldn't have taken action to nationalise the banks. We wouldn't have taken action to deal with the problems that small businesses face. We wouldn't have taken action to deal with the problems that people face with unemployment. This is the action that needs a government that is taking action every day. Dr. Uh, at last year's Union for the Mediterranean Summit, my right honourable friend gave his, uh, his, his backing to concentrated solar power as a means of providing almost limitless clean energy for Europe. Given that over 170 members of this House have signed an early day motion supporting concentrated solar power and the development of a high voltage direct current supergrid, what active steps is my right honourable friend taking to work with our international partners to make this a reality? If I may say so, this is a serious issue which needs European cooperation for it to happen. And our target is 15% of energy consumption to come from renewable sources. We spent over 11 million in the last few years to support solar installations and we will publish the renewable energy strategy setting out our strategy to meet these renewable targets. We will work with all countries in Europe to develop a strategy to deal with renewables. David Cameron. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to the soldier from the 2nd Battalion, the Rifles, who was killed in Helmand Province yesterday. Also, we will remember Lance Corporal Nigel Moffat, Corporal Stephen Bolger, Lance Corporal Kieran Hill, Lance Corporal Robert Richards, Sapper Jordan Rossi and Fusilier Susu. All of them have been killed in the last fortnight, serving their country. We will not forget their sacrifice, and we must care for their families. I also join the Prime Minister in sending condolences to the family and friends of Edwin Dyer, who it's believed has been brutally murdered by terrorists in Mali. This must be a simply horrific time for his family, and I'm sure everyone in the country is thinking about them. In spite of all the difficulties, though, the Prime Minister is right. We must never give in to terrorists. This morning, the Community Secretary resigned from the Cabinet. This follows yesterday's announcement that the Children's Minister is standing down, the Minister for the Cabinet Office is leaving, and the Home Secretary is resigning. Why doesn't the Prime Minister accept that his ability to command his Cabinet has simply disappeared? Speaker, I I think the first thing that the whole House would want to do is to acknowledge uh, the great work that has been done by both the Home Secretary and the Community Secretary in the Cabinet. And I think... think, I, I think at a time like this, I think at a time like this, the House should come together to acknowledge contributions that have been made in the public interest. And let me just also say that under the Home Secretary, what we have seen is crime come down. We have seen neighbourhood policing introduced. We have seen the fight in te- on terrorism stepped up, and we have seen better relationships between police and the community. And I, I have to remind the Conservative Party. They doubled crime under a Conservative government and policing numbers were cut. 
the Prime Minister is in denial. If these people have done such good work, why are they walking away from their jobs? The Community Secretary's statement does not pay tribute to him or a single one of his policies. Let us be clear about what is happening. The Minister in charge of local government is resigning the day before the local elections. Isn't the fact that, that she's chosen today of all days to go a direct challenge to his authority? Mr Speaker, look, I think some people should take a step back here and understand what's been happening. For the last few weeks, the past, the past few weeks have been difficult for every member on every side of this House. I think people have got to recognise in the politicking that goes on that there have been enormous pressures on people. And while the public are angry, there has also been family pressures on members of this House. And this is true of all sides of the House. And I think we have a responsibility to all members of the House in this. So, yes, there are elements of party politics that the right honourable gentleman want to raise. But I think he's got to acknowledge that on all sides of the House there are issues that people want to sort out. I have to say to the Prime Minister, if this was about expenses, the Community Secretary would have resigned weeks ago. The fact is, she's chosen to resign today. Order. Order. Don't shout down the Leader of the Opposition. Do not do that. Order. Yes. Order. Order. Remember, there's a danger of the House being suspended if people continue to shout. That's the danger, and there'll be no Prime Minister's question time. And that, that goes for this side of the House. It goes for this side of the House as well. The Leader of the Opposition. And I have to say, the Prime Minister talks about pressures. Those pressures on the Community Secretary and on others in his Cabinet include Number 10 directly briefing against them. Yeah. Yeah. The fact is, what we see is a dysfunctional Cabinet, a dysfunctional government, led by a Prime Minister who cannot give a lead. Can he at least guarantee, can he perhaps at least guarantee this, that there will be no further resignations ahead of his reshuffle? Mr Speaker, I, I, hope, I hope that he will acknowledge that on all sides of the House the events of the last few weeks have been difficult. And I think it would be unfair for us to pass this question time without acknowledging that in each part of the House people have found it difficulty with the pressures upon them. I want also to pay tribute to the Community Secretary for the work that she has done, because she has uh, brought new relationships between local government and central government with the local government in Concordat. She has sponsored urban ge- regeneration in shopping centres in our country, and she's been active in building better relationships with the Muslim communities. And I think at times like this, it is our duty, all of us in all, all parts of the House, to recognise the contributions that people have made. As, 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 for, as, for, as for what he says about uh, the government, let me just say, we have got two jobs of work to do. One is to clean up the system, the expenses system, where I think everybody else in the House except him agrees that you've got to get action taken now to clean up that system. And I think the second, the second thing is we've got to take this country through the recession. Now, the remarkable thing about the Leader of the Opposition is this is yet another week when there's been not one question on policy. The Prime Minister has got to understand that the issue here is about his leadership. The failure of the government on appearance is not as bad as the failure of government on substance. So let me turn. Yes, let me turn. Let me turn to the issue of the economy and let us take. Let's take just one key individual, the person responsible for steering us through this recession, 
the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Now, the Prime Minister refuses to talk about him in anything other than the past tense. Now, we know that the Home Secretary is going. We know the Community Secretary is going. So can the Prime Minister tell us, will the Chancellor, sitting there in front of us, still be in his post in a week's time? Mr Speaker, once again, it's nothing to do with policy. He, he, is, he is incapable of dealing with the big issues that face this country. And let me say what this Chancellor is achieving. This Chancellor is leading the rest of the world in taking us out of recession. This Chancellor has taken action the Conservative parties refused to support. What happened when we had to deal with the banks? What would the Conservatives have done? Nothing. What would they have done where we were helping mortgage holders? Nothing. What would they have done where we were helping the unemployed? Nothing. What is their policy? It is to do nothing. That is not the basis on which to ask for an election. If the Chancellor is doing such a good job, can he tell us, will he be there in a week's time? I said the Chancellor is doing a very good job, and I hope he, I hope he, I hope he would agree with me. Now, this is the only party. Let me tell, this, let, 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 let me just tell the House. This is the only party that wants an election when they've got no policy to deal with the recession. They want an election, but they've got no policy to help homeowners. They want an election, but they've got no policy to help the unemployed. This is a party that is talk, talk, and talk, but nothing to do with action. If the Prime Minister is not happy with our policies, why doesn't he call an election and test them out? The the Prime Minister needs to realise how important this is. Why should the British public believe the Chancellor if the Prime Minister doesn't have confidence in him? Why should international markets have confidence in the Chancellor if the Prime Minister doesn't have confidence in him? That's why this is so serious. He told us he had the right team to take the country forward. That team is now deserting him. The government is collapsing before our eyes. Why doesn't he take the one act of authority left to him? Get down to the palace, ask for a dissolution, call that election. Once again, he proves to the whole country there is absolutely no substance in anything that he says. The reason we are dealing with the problems is we've got to clean up the electoral system, and we're doing that. We're cleaning up the expenses system. The second thing we're doing is cleaning up the economy and making sure that the economy comes out of recession. This party opposite has absolutely no policies to deal with it. It's words, words and words. We'll get on with the action. My right honourable friend has uh, worked hard along with the business secretary to bring about a positive solution to the future of Vauxhalls. Many of my constituents, of course, aren't aware of what's happened behind the scenes. Will my right honourable friend give them the assurance that, they will, that the government will continue the, the high level of support that is going on and will it also distance itself from the statements that it's not desirable to rescue the motor industry made by the Liberal Democrats? Yeah. Mr Speaker, I'm grateful to my honourable friend who has been a great supporter of Ellesmere Port and the car industry there. And this is what people in the country are concerned about, the jobs of workers in car factories and in the car supply industry. And that is why we have been working with uh, General Motors. We've been working with the two potential buyers. We're now working with the preferred buyer for General Motors. And our determination is to save Vauxhall jobs in this country and make sure people have a secure future. 
We have also, as you know, introduced a scheme that allows people to sell cars that are more than 10 years old, uh, and now 35,000 people have bought cars as a result of that. So we are doing whatever we can to move the car industry forward. But I just have to say to this House, it would not be possible unless we were prepared to put public funds into making that happen, and I'm afraid that is rejected by the opposition. My own expressions of sympathy and condolence to uh, Fusilier Patero Susu, Sapper Jordan Rossi, Lance Corporal Robert Richards, Lance Corporal Kieran Hill, Lance Corporal uh, Nigel Moffat, Corporal Stephen Bolger, and the soldier from the 2nd Battalion, the Rifles, who died yesterday. They all, as has been said, served with great distinction and courage in Afghanistan. And of course, I would like to support the Prime Minister in his expressions of sympathy and condolence extended to the family and friends of Edwin Dyer. Mr Speaker, we can now see the government is in total meltdown. The Prime Minister is thrashing around, fighting for his own political survival. But does he not understand the extreme danger to our democracy when people start feeling that there's simply no one in charge? Mr Speaker, the dangers are when you don't deal with the problems that are before us. One is to deal with the expenses system in the House of Commons. And second is to deal with the problems and challenges of the economy. Now, I thought the Liberal Party would support us in the action we're taking to help the unemployed, to help homeowners and to help small businesses. And I hope he won't uh, join the other party in talking only about things other than policy. The country wants us to talk about what we're doing to help them. So just doesn't get it. His government is paralysed, is paralysed by indecision, crippled by infighting, exhausted after 12 long years. It's a tragedy that exactly the time when people need help, need action, the country doesn't have a government, it has a void. Labour is finished. Isn't it obvious? Isn't it obvious? Isn't it obvious that the only choice now is between the Conservatives and the Liberal Democrats? Mr. Speaker, I, 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 I seem to remember, I seem to remember the Liberals saying that at every election that I've ever fought. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, he, he is right to say the country needs action, and the action is coming from this government. And if he will listen to what we are doing. I think he'll find it very difficult to oppose the measures we're taking to help the car industry, to help the banks, to help the unemployed, to help those people who are homeowners. We are the party with the ideas about how to take this country out of recession. None of these parties have got anything to offer us. Will my right honourable friend uh, reaffirm the government's commitment to decent, affordable homes for all? In the last month in West London, the Decent Homes programme has been described as upgrading the deck chairs on the Titanic and social housing as an incentive not to improve one's lot through one's own efforts. Will he condemn the Tory politicians who made those comments? He's absolutely right. When a Conservative Council has cut the Decent Homes programme, and cut back on the investment in it. You don't need to look into a crystal ball to see what the Conservatives do. You can see it in the action that they're taking to cut decent homes in a constituency. And I support my honourable member in taking up the case of the many people in his constituency who are looking for decent homes and look to the council to provide them. May I put it to the uh, Prime Minister that the uh, problem of uh, members' allowances falls 
within the remit of Sir Christopher Kelly's committee and should be left there until it purports. But as he has hinted, as the Right Honourable Gentleman has hinted, that he wishes to gain a, a reputation for, as a constitutionalist uh, over this issue. Uh, may I suggest to him that as he is almost uniquely unsuited to play the role of a latter-day Thomas Jefferson, that he should in fact look to the existing constitution and as almost everyone in the country would ask him to do, use that traditional constitution to ask Her Majesty to dissolve this parliament so that it can elect a new one. Mr. Speaker, I'm grateful for his, uh, what I would say is a 300-year perspective uh, on the matter of these uh, issues. Can I, can I say to him that it is right that, that, uh, that Christopher Kelly's re committee report, but it's also right that we take further action to end the system of self-regulation in this House. It is not right that there emerges a conflict of interest between the public interest and MPs' interests. It is none of our interests. Everybody wants that to stop, and that's why an external regulator of, is of greater benefit to us as well as what will be supported, I believe, in the whole of the country. June Ryan. Thank you, Mr Speaker. My right honourable friend will be aware of the valiant campaign led by the Royal British Legion to have council tax benefit rebranded as a rebate, which would increase take-up and lift thousands of pensioners out of poverty, including up to 20,000 veterans. This Saturday marks the 65th anniversary of D-Day. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that this would be an appropriate time to announce this change so that all pensioners, especially our veterans who have served our country with courage and dignity, can live in dignity? I think the whole House will want to honour today the sacrifice and service of all those people who were involved in the D-Day landings, but indeed all those people who were awarded in the sacrifice and service which made possible uh, victory in the Second World War and the peace that we now enjoy as a result of this. And I want to pay tribute uh, to those um, individual veterans who are still part of the Royal British uh, Legion. I talked to the treasurer of my branch of the, the, the Royal British Legion only a few days ago. Equally, at the same time, we have a delegation of the Royal British Legion coming in to see the pensions minister this afternoon. What she's uh, proposing is that uh, pension credit could be put in a, uh, in a new form uh, where it could be seen as a, a rebate, and that is what is going to be discussed uh, this, this afternoon. We want it to be as automatic as possible for pensioners to get their rights, so we are prepared to discuss how we can move this forward. Uh, and I, I, I hope uh, uh, all sides of the House will be able to support a move like this. Thank you, Mr Speaker. With up to, up to 50,000 homeowners facing repossession this year, if the government is doing so much to help them, why is it that only two people have been helped so far? This is, uh, this, is, this, is not, this is not correct. Thousands of people are being helped. Thousands of people are being helped with the various schemes. The first is the mortgage income support scheme for those people who are unemployed, which is now available for those with houses worth under 200,000, and large numbers of people are claiming that. 
The second is the moratorium that is available to people on their building society and bank payments, which we've negotiated with building societies. The third is the shared equity scheme, where we're prepared to buy a share of the house uh, to help people move forward, and discussions on that are moving forward with large numbers of people. And, and the fourth is the measures we're taking uh, to, to deal uh, with the way the banks approach mortgages in the first place. Now, I have to tell them that the recent report of the Council for Mortgage Lenders said that they expected repossessions to be far less than what they were predicting as a result of the action that we are taking. Now, any repossession is to be regretted. There are many circumstances in which repossessions happen. For example, there is a family breakup, which is nothing to do with the financial situation of an employee, but there are other situations when it is caused by the, the lack of money. We are trying to help those people to maintain their mortgages, renegotiate them, and I think you will find that no government has done more to help mortgage payers to prevent repossessions, and that is what, that is what a Labour government is about. We will not walk by on the other side. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can the Prime Minister say when a decision is going to be taken in relation to granting a pardon to Michael Shields following the High Court's decision last December? Michael has now been in prison for four years following what I firmly believe to be a gross miscarriage of justice. Mr Shields, as everybody knows, has applied for a free pardon within the terms of the High Court judgment that was handed down on the 17th of December. Um, I understand the concerns about delay of the Shields family. They've waited a long time. He has got a large number of supporters. We are determined to make, that is the Justice Secretary who makes the decision, the best and fairest decision he can. But he can do so only after, in the public interest, assessing all the material that is available. And he expects to write to Mr Shields' lawyers later this month. John Mason. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Is the Prime Minister embarrassed that Britain is now a more unequal country than at any time since the 1960s? and specifically that the poorest 20% in society have lost real income since 2005 and the richest 20% have gained. Mr Speaker, we have taken millions of people out of poverty. We have taken children out of poverty and we have taken pensioners out of poverty. We have set new targets for child poverty and for pensioner poverty. As a result of the Labour government, child benefit has been raised, working families tax credit has been introduced, child tax credit has also been introduced, and that has taken one and a half million people out of poverty in itself. If we'd followed the policies of the Scottish National Party, we'd be in a far worse position. Why I welcome the Prime Minister's attack on the abuses of expenses which have so revolted members of the public, will he also take action to curb the dependence of many members on second incomes? I've calculated that the Conservative front bench alone has 57 other sources of income, up to £250,000. Would it not be better if instead of an alternative government with 57 varieties of special interests that we all concentrated on the job which we were elected to do? Mr Speaker, I I think all members of this House uh, want to to show that they are undertaking public service and they are in for not what they can get but for what they can give. But one of the issues that repeatedly comes up is second jobs of members of the House. And I think it's right, it's, right that Sir it's right that Sir Christopher Kelly looks at this matter. I, I, see, there is, uh, I see there is some murmuring uh, on the opposition benches about this. Methinks that they protest too much. Brendan Bellingham. Will the Prime Minister find time today to meet the Pensions Action Group who are lobbying Parliament outside 
on occupational pensions. Is he aware that although many of my constituents were offered 90%, the reality is they'll probably get less than 70%. Why is this? And does he in any way feel guilty that it was the changes that he made when he was Chancellor that has destroyed what was once the best private pension sector in the world? I've already had a long debate in this House uh, some time ago when I showed that the funds of the pension funds in the period in which uh, I was Chancellor doubled over the last uh, ten years. And despite, despite, despite what uh, he, is, he is saying, all the changes we made made it possible for the pension funds to have large sums of money. The issue, however, as he knows perfectly well, is that pension funds' income depends on what is happening on the stock exchange as much as everything else, and he must know that that is what has affected most of the pension funds recently. I'm sure my right honourable friend will have seen the uh, latest scientific report showing that by the end of the century, global warming will be even more severe than had been previously thought. We've gone beyond the stage where we can stop irreversible damage to our planet, and the question is now, can we stop environmental catastrophe? What will my right honourable friend do to ensure that the G8 summit coming up shortly will recognise that so we can get a chance of getting the type of agreement at Copenhagen which uh, the planet so desperately needs? Mr Speaker, we will lead the way at the G8 summit in proposing how we can solve the two problems that are preventing a Copenhagen agreement. The first is we need agreement on intermediate targets uh, for carbon emissions reduction, and that requires us to persuade China and India and also America as well as Japan to join that group of people prepared to commit to these targets. The second is to provide the finance that enables enables the developing countries and the emerging markets to make the investments that are necessary for carbon emissions to be reduced there. And we will come up with financing proposals that we hope other countries will also be prepared to support. But I have to repeat today, and I think it's relevant because tomorrow people are voting on issues of Europe, this cannot happen without cooperation across the European Union. And those parties who want to break from the European Union will neither have an economic policy that works for Britain nor an environmental policy, which is what we need and we are going to push forward. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that it is wrong to build on Grade 2 agricultural land? If so, would he change planning policy to prevent waste of this precious resource and also prevent Conservative-controlled Test Valley Borough Council, whose plan has been disgraced, from building on fertile green fields? Well, I I, I have to say that she will have to write me about the individual instance in our council, but I think the record of this government is that we wish to build on brownfield land and not greenfield land. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Did my right honourable friend note the report from the IMF that suggested that when we went into the global slowdown, public debt in this country was lower than in all our competitors, that it is lower now as we come out of the recession, that it will be lower in this country over each of the next five years? And isn't it the case that the actions of this government prepared us for dealing with the economic slowdown in a way that the policies of those people opposite never would have. Once again, once again my honourable friend is proving the problem that we have to deal with is a global financial recession. Britain is coming through that by taking the right policies. The opposition party are the first party to go into an election tomorrow with no policy to deal with the economy. Mr Speaker, is the Prime Minister aware that his departing Home Secretary leaves a legacy that there are still 342,000 cases of domestic violence in this country every year? 
Can I ask him to... Can I ask him to ensure that he re-examines the effectiveness of policies in this area because of the cost on human misery on the victims and the cost to our caring services? We will be fair in acknowledging that the Home Secretary has also led the way in tougher sentences on domestic violence and in domestic violence courts. And this government, uh, led by the uh, Leader of the House as well as the Home Secretary, has got a record in taking on domestic violence by funding also uh, centres for women throughout the rest of the country. That is vital public expenditure, but we believe it is important for the health of this country and we will continue to support that measure to help women in our country. Stuart Bell. The, the Prime Minister talked about policies going into the European elections tomorrow. Can he confirm that under the Labour government, 700,000 companies work with the European Union, 3 million jobs relate to the European Union, 60% of our trade is with the European Union. Which party goes into the election tomorrow with a better record? Yeah. Mr Speaker, I think he will also know that the Manufacturing Association have said that the Conservative European policy is bound to reduce our influence in Europe and when the Conservative leader cannot talk to the German Chancellor or the French President or people in Spain or people in Portugal but only is only she, she, said, she, said, she said she would not offer the hand of friendship to those who oppose the Lisbon Treaty when he can only talk politics about his European group with a Czech forum who also support the Lisbon Treaty is in real trouble yeah. Order. Honourable members, leave the chamber quietly.